I'm a savage. Yeah. Classy, bougie, ratchet. What's up, Savage Boss Babes and Dudes? It's Diana inside Savage Coffee. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not inside Savage Coffee right now. I'm inside the Savage Podcast Studio, though. And if you are just joining for the very first time, you are in luck because this episode is going to be awesome. Uh, Whether you're in the car driving, maybe on your way to work, or you're at the uh, house cleaning, whatever it is that you're doing, this episode is going to be really, really good. So... Yeah, you need to, to, to stay tuned because this one is going to show you and teach you how to stay positive, how to be positive in tough situations. Uh, I want to welcome our guest today. Uh, her name is Rayanne, mm-hmm. former uh, Savage Boss Babe of the Week. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what Savage Boss Babe of the Week is, it's something that we started on our Savage uh, Savage Coffee social media where uh, women nominate other women to be uh, the Savage Boss Babe of the Week. And whether it's maybe you're going through a rough situation and you need, you need to be reminded that you are a queen, that you are capable, that you are uh, deserving, or if maybe you are you know killing it at your new job and you're just getting stuff done and, and you know they want to know that they want to let you know that you're being observed and that you're, you know, that you're doing something right. That's what, uh, that's what the Savage Boss Babe of the week is. But, um, welcome, Ryan. Glad to be here. And actually, thank you for that Savage Wednesday woman, you know, Boss Babe, because I know I'm here for the reasons you want me to be here, but it's, and being positive and being hopeful and happy. It's little things like that. Yeah. Being featured and recognized by other women and on social media, right? That like I that helps fuel, right? I'm pretty sure I was having a horrible week and just that little mention, right? What? Well, I just thought it would be so cool, you know. Yeah, it's a business page. Uh-huh. You know, I use it for my business, but I'm really trying to build a community around Savage Coffee, a community of empowered women, of supporting one another, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you're going through, but, you know, uh, really building a community of, of, uh, of women who support each other. And I just thought that would be so cool. Yeah. I, I hadn't seen it anywhere else, any, anybody else doing it. And it's been a really, really big, a huge hit. You know, I've gotten messages awesome. from, from women who get nominated and they're like, oh my gosh, you just made my day. Yes. I just have a big smile on my face. And it's like, that was the goal. <laughs> accomplished. Mission accomplished. Go- mission accomplished. Oh. So I'm going to be honest right now. Okay. When I reached out to you and asked you if you would be willing to come and, and uh, be part of this podcast, I was a little hesitant because of the situation that you're in, you know, a lot of people might not be as open to talk about it. Right. But I, I was intrigued and I am intrigued of your, how positive you are, how you stay positive, how you maintain posi- that positivity that you transmit during your posts on, on, on all your posts. And we're not going to give it away right away, uh, but because we want you to listen, obviously, to the entire episode. Right. But uh, Rayanne is going through a situation that a lot of us do, don't, aren't going through. 
uh, we might know somebody who's going through it or have heard of somebody, but would not, you know, uh, uh, personally have gone through it. And I just want, I just felt it in my heart that you being here would be of such a blessing to those of us who just look through social media and see posts like the ones that you put. I really want you to use this space to to share whatever it is that you have in your heart, whatever it is that you feel that people should uh, hear or watch, uh, this is your space. So please tell us, okay. tell us more about you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did reach out and that you didn't, even if you hesitated, I'm glad you did. Um, because sharing my story is something like if it's um, building the suspense for what the situation is, but this situation right that I'm in it's if I have to live through it I want other people to benefit from it right like I'm I've known from the beginning it wasn't going to be in vain I know I've known that God was going to use my story to to just help encourage others or I don't know what but and I I think that's always been the dialogue between me and God like with all the, are you freaking kidding me moments? Like, okay, well then make sure you're using this because then what? You What's know? the point? Right, exactly. And um, I guess I could share my story of what my situation is. And right now I am currently fighting a recurrence of stage 3C. Um, so right before... We caught it right before it was stage four of ovarian cancer. And goodness, it's a whole journey to even like, so. How long has it been? Yeah, that's what I was, because I feel my story has been my ovarian cancer journey, but prior to me being diagnosed. So a little bit about myself before, gosh, 2010 and 2014, I was living in South America. Wow. Uh huh. I lived in, the majority was in Bogota, Colombia. Okay. And I worked with children off the streets. Um, I was a teacher. We helped. Uh, basically, we, these were kids who were living on the streets, working on the streets that weren't in school. So we would, I was a teacher at this academy that, would help them function in formal schoolings. Um, and so I was doing that and then on the weekends working every other weekend at an outreach for, um, basically I lived in the barrio out there and we would put together events for the kids so that they were fed and had a place to play and all that stuff. So uh, right when I came back, my reasoning for coming back was I knew my family had on my maternal side, my mother was this gene carrier. I don't know if you've heard of the BRCA 1 and 2 gene mutation. Okay. But it's, and I tell, I like to begin there because I want to spread that knowledge. If you are female and male, if you have a history of breast and ovarian cancer, um, you could be a genetic mutation carrier. And what that means basically was uh, my because of this gene mutation, the BRCA1, on my mother's side, my mother tested positive for it years, like decades ago, or maybe a decade ago, um, which means that 
she was at risk, like an 80% chance of breast cancer and a 50, like a 40 to 60, I can't remember, maybe 50, no, 40% chance of ovarian cancer. So when my mom learned about that, she would exist. Uh, you can opt what is called, we're called uh, previvors, right? There's the survivors of cancer, but the previvors that are taking matters into their own hands. And like my mom, she had a full hysterectomy and eventually a double mastectomy to reduce her risks of breast and ovarian cancer. Because I've had my Thea, right? My Thea Carmen, my aunt who died of ovarian cancer. She was the one who let my mom know, hey, check to see if you carry this. If you do take everything out, it's not worth it. My Thea Carmen um, passed away a week after her daughter Mary died of breast cancer because she was a genetic mutation carrier. And it was my grandpa maternal who died of pancreatic cancer. So cancer is strong in my family. So I knew... Um, I knew I needed, um, even though I wanted to stay in Colombia, and I, I, I mean, I loved it there. Colombia is a beautiful place if you've never been. But I knew I needed to do what I needed. I, I knew I needed to uh, check. I hadn't done the testing for BRCA. So, um, and at this point, did you, I mean, did you have any symptoms or anything mm -mm. like that? You were perfect, to your knowledge, you were perfectly healthy. Yeah, this was, so even before cancer I did this genetic testing to see what my risks were and it ended up being I was a carry I am a carrier for the genetic mutation so I came back 2014 2015 opted for a preventative double mastectomy with reconstruction because I had a cousin who passed away so early from breast cancer I thought breast cancer was my my thing um, so I Total history, or total mastectomy in 2015. Um, rebuild my body that year too, to have a more feminine form. But definitely went through that. And doctors did start having a conversation with me about ovarian cancer, saying you should really consider removing your ovaries because of your age as well. I was 34 or five at that time. Because of your age, you should consider removing your ovaries. Well, I didn't have a family yet, and I was thinking, like, okay, well, let me give myself some time. I'm going to keep my ovaries in case I meet my Prince Charming and, you know, am able to have a family. Um, during that time, I was able to freeze eggs because I knew I was high-risk ovarian cancer. And my goal had always been 40 years old. I was going to give myself until 40 years old. Um, and if I didn't have a family, I still was going to make the decision to remove my ovaries prophylactically, um, preventatively, because I knew my chances after 40 were going to rise for ovarian cancer. So I tried to do it as logically as possible. But when I was 37 years old, August, it'll be, goodness, it'll be three years since my, since my diagnosis, August of 2018, I started getting symptoms, which, so 
So ovarian cancer is known as the silent killer. Mind you, I was doing ovarian cancer surveillance this entire time. Every six months, I'd go to an oncologist. We would do blood work and ultrasounds um, to make sure everything was was okay. And that was what that's what exists for ovarian cancer prevention when you're high risk. It's it obviously isn't dependable because I had my screening in April and by August of 2018, I had late stage ovarian cancer. And ovarian cancer is known as a silent killer because once you get it, it's normally too late. Um, The symptoms are all very similar to like your monthly cycle, bloating, cramps, Um, things that you just don't notice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so normally when ovarian cancer is caught, it's always metastasized and and too late. And that was very much my case. I'm trying to be as preventative as possible, right? Every six months seeing this doctor. um, I'm super glad I I froze eggs um, because right when I found out about my diagnosis, it was spreading to my liver a little bit on my lung, but all over my abdomen wall. And it, yeah, it's devastating. It's devastating getting a cancer diagnosis. It's devastating hearing the words, you have late stage, this is uh, late stage ovarian cancer. You need to have, t- you need a full hysterectomy like tomorrow in order to save your life. Um, those are huge blows, huge blows to have to endure the cancer talk. And then for me, because I mean, if you would have asked me at 14 years old, what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was like a wife and a mother, right? I wanted to be a mom. I've always had that maternal desire and instinct and it just hasn't, it hadn't happened for me. Right. Um, so those two were, it was like, just two different tidal waves hitting you at once. And like that, that breaks you, right? Um, I am a faith, a faith woman, right? A Christian. Um, although I feel like Christ, the term Christian is, I'm a Christ follower, Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. I love me some, I love me the Lord. Um, and that is, that was very much like a, a moment in my faith where I had two roads to follow along or to go down from that moment when you're told the desire of your heart, right? To be a mom, the that desire, if you hold on to it, it's gonna, you need to make a decision, right? Like either you need to choose to live or something important to you is about to die. Either your physical body or the desire of your heart. Um, That's like, yeah, that's a moment of like devastation where you, you're having to pick between two dreams and which one do you pick? Anyways, um, through that journal or through that journey, God did 
a lot of things um, to help me get through my original diagnosis. Um, it went fairly, fairly simple, fairly easily getting through. I mean, as easy. <laughs> okay, back up. <laughs> <laughs> I say that right now with everything that I've been through, but chemotherapy, major surgery, um, more chemotherapy, surgical menopause, all of 2018 and 2019, right? Like going through all of that was stupid hard. Um, but like there was such a, a presence in my life, um, in my relationship with God that kind of just carried me through it. And I guess to answer your question, right? Like how do I stay positive? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I do, but it's, can I ask you during any of that, uh, period of time that you're uh -huh. going through all of this. And I ask because sometimes me personally, and I know that a lot of us, that are listening and watching to this, mm -hmm. something happens to you and you're just like, why me? Oh, yeah. Like, really? Really? Why yeah. me? Yeah. Was there any moments? All the time. W when you were going through this that you were just like, why? Like, yeah. Why me, God? Seriously? Yeah, no. Um, you could have picked anybody else, but why me? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> That's very much been with each increasingly difficult thing that I've incurred, like in my journey, like you, you gotta be, I've dropped more F-bombs in my prayers the last two years of my life than I have ever in the last 20 years, right? Like it's been, you've gotta be effing kidding me. My prayers with God have gotten just super real in like my language because it's like God saying, hey, I know that's in your heart. <laughs> so you might as well just say it, right? Because I think us as Christians are people of religion that you tend to, well, you can't say that because it's to God. And he's just proper. like, yeah. And it's just like, really, he's like reading your mind and your heart and he knows. And so I've experienced a lot of freedom, um, in my time and my prayer time, because there have been so many, why me? Like why? And as I continue with my journey, it's been like thing after thing that it's just been like, why me? And something that um, surfaced from my heart like a while back or just something that I felt like the Lord speak to me, say like, but child, you're not a victim, you're chosen, right? Like not everybody can walk this journey that you've been on. Um, so while like it's not something that I want to be living, right? Um to go from, because I think in overcoming, honestly, and um, overcoming all the things when hard times are thrown your way, you're, you're given a moment, um, and it's not like the, an instantaneous moment, but you eventually reach a place where it's like, okay, well, I have two choices to make, or I have two things to believe right now, um, that I'm a victim, and God is mean, and he's not for me, and my life is just going to be hard, or, right, I can believe that, like, I'm a chosen warrior, and, like, destined for, because I do believe goodness is going to come from this, right, 
So no matter how hard the trials get or the journey is, I do believe that something good's going to come out of it. So the fact that, right, so for me, it's been that choice. And it's not always been an easy, it's never an easy choice. And it's taken me a while to honestly get here. Um, but it's always, that's that's been, I think, especially this past year, has been, but you're not a victim, you're chosen. Um, and I think I'm chosen to withstand the storm, this cancer storm that I'm, I'm in, and right and true for other areas of people's lives where if they're living through something difficult, right, like they're chosen to get through that difficulty because I believe they're going to manifest something good that's going to bless others, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, just I've had plenty of why me moments, you know, and I can't say that I don't still have them because, yeah, no, I'm sure, like, as of last month, I was, <laughs> I was having them, you know, because we're human, and a lot, things get hard to bear, and we're um, not mentally, emotionally, physically created to bear that on our own, for me, my faith in God, like, he shares that, he carries the majority of it, um, and then community, right? Like the people you surround yourself with who are going to help you carry it with you. We're not meant to like just bear it all on our own. Um, but returning back to my story, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We could just go from wherever. You don't yeah. have to. You know. Yeah. Well, so I was... Um, Gosh, and there's so many stories within the stories, right, of having your ovaries removed. Um, for me, myself, at that point, um, I had, in 2015, when I chose to do a preventative double mastectomy, um, I had a bye-bye booby party. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah, so I had boob-shaped all things, like cupcakes and snacks and... I had my girls wear their best cleavage showing um, outfits and we just hung out and drank wine and celebrated and it was a boob voyage, you know? Oh, wow. So it was very empowering um, for sure, you know? So doing, having removed my breast and then having in my surgery the debulking surgery that I had in uh, 2018, they removed my ovaries and fallopian tube. I op tubes. I opted to keep my uterus, which wasn't highly recommended, um, but because I still desired at one point to be a mom, mm -hmm. um, and I know I have eggs frozen, that I, I put it in my oncologist's hands. Like, if you open me up and there's disease, of course, remove it. Yeah. Um, but if you open me up and I'm cleaner than you thought, I want you to keep it. And um, praise God, I was able to keep it. When they opened me up, there wasn't as much disease as they had thought after three cycles of chemo. So I opted to keep my uterus. But um, between removing your breasts and removing your ovaries, like there's just such, it's like you've lost your womanhood right? So there's so many other little stories within 
all the things that I've been through. So maybe for another time, though, because I don't want to go too long. But having to deal with identity issues as you as a female, right? None of your body parts, no children. Am I a serve, like me as a woman? Do I really exist? Um, so Is that something that you still struggle with? Or, or is it something that you've been able to overcome? Something I've overcome. Um, because it is, I think. And let me tell you, um, I mean, just because you're, you're, you're telling us, but uh-huh. honestly, just looking at you, I would have never imagined that you would have an issue like that. You look so confident. Oh. So thank you. Um, uh, reassured about yourself and oh. you really do. I'll take it. Because it's, <laughs> it's been I hard getting never, here. <laughs> I would never imagine that. Wow. So that's, uh, I think that the people that are watching us and, and listening to us would definitely appreciate, you know, something like that because um, maybe there is somebody that's in that particular yeah. uh, stage yeah. of that situation. That or just, like... What stri- did you do? What did you do to, to help you uh, with your self-esteem? or? Uh, so, like, what I mentioned about the, you know, having the... Bye bye boobies party. I wrote a letter to my breast apologizing for all the ways I used to uh, complain about you, you know, because once they, so I did, I think a lot of things preventatively, like before, um, at least my breast surgery that helped me realize my worth outside of a woman. It was like, you know, this, the wound was kind of scratched open when I had to remove my ovaries. Um, but it's, I mean, faith and community. I think that's just what I, all my answers are going to be are just the intentionality of praying it out and wrestling it out with God. I felt like, like lately, and I guess to be the woman who I am today, my, I felt like, I feel like, I haven't even been praying lately with God. It's been wrestling with God because it's, they haven't been prayers like that I had been used to when life was somewhat normal. Um, a lot of the things that I'm, I have to live through are like wrestling and tackling or just the hard things that if you choose to not like deal with the feelings that surface up and you just want to like um because it's more than thinking positive right there has to be i read something on instagram i follow they're called uh the healed healed document heal documentary and it's something along the lines of if your heart isn't healed once your heart is healed your mind and body um surely will follow right and for me how true that is because of this cancer journey and doubting of my womanhood like it's um those are hard things that you have to like no matter how painful I know people don't because I'm there like I don't want to cry like I don't want to deal with my emotions I don't want to have to do with it but you need to like you need to deal with your heart issues because once that heals, and I feel like it's been series of healing my heart, that's why I'm able to think positive, right? And that's why I'm able to um, have the hope that I have, 
when just being alive in the next three years are not in my favor. Like, it's the healing of the heart that leads to mental health, that leads to you, your, your physical health, you know? That's what I, I believe, at least. So I went through my um, initial um, treatment plan for my diagnosis was in remission when, gosh, in March, March, April, May, somewhere around there of uh, 2019, I was told there was no evidence of disease and started living and celebrating and just being excited that that, you know, season was done. That's but kind of a the, the time that you breather. can breathe easy and yeah, you start thinking non-cancer thoughts, uh-huh. right? Well, as much as you can, because I'm at the office, at the doctor's office every three months, making sure it's not back. But yes, I had started in like visioning, vision casting, like idea business plans that I wanted to do, started actually making preparations for that. But then March 2020, uh, I kid you not, the week I turned 39, which turning 39 at that right it was like a it was a trip I I wasn't ready to take I didn't realize that I would like freak out at turning 39 but I started freaking out at turning 39 that week was my birthday Texas shut down for COVID and then I get a phone call from my doctor saying hey we think the cancer's back we need to order some scans only to be confirmed later that month that the cancer was back. So I began fighting a recurrence. Did you let out an F-bomb? Oh, yeah. <laughs> many, <laughs> many. Like, so, like, yeah, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> Again, why be, like, granted, logically, the diagnosis, right? It wasn't a shocker, but for as healthy right? And this is where a trap we get into, we start comparing ourselves to other people. Like I ate clean, I exercised, I did all the things they said to prevent recurrence. And here I am with a recurrence of cancer. Meanwhile, I've had people who eat whatever they want, don't exercise and don't do the things and they've been in remission for years. What the actual F, right? Like, what? I'm doing all things right. And there, I think it would be really hard to be like, why me? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Why well, me? But wait, there's more. So definitely why me moments. Um, definitely why me moments there. So I get um, chemotherapy. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. This is actually... I actually am kind of scared of the date August 28th uh, in general. It's like my Friday the 13th. So August 28th, 2018 was the day I was diagnosed with cancer. I I remember signing paperwork and just signing the date, August 28th, 2018. This is the worst day of my life. August 28th was uh, my very last chemo scheduled and um, I got news on that date that the chemo didn't work, that the cancer, though it was sustained, um, the cancer still existed. It didn't shrink. 
didn't shrink an inch. So I needed to continue on with treatment. That day, it was August 28, 2020, and as I was being hooked up to receive my chemotherapy, I get a phone call from my sister, and she's like, hey, just want you to, you know, everything's going to be okay, but um, your house is flooding. <laughs> I was like, are you effing kidding me again? So the, like, why me? For me, my, my phrase has been like, are you effing kidding me? Like, no way. No way. Um, so August 28th, 2021, next week, or whenever that is, I'm going to lock myself in whatever room. <laughs> There is, and I'm not leaving it because I don't need anything happening. And I mean, I just think situations like that. My friend Donna always, I have a friend Donna who always kids around with me. She said, God is so extra with you, right? Like with the good things, he's very extra and like. You need a shirt and or loving a me. sticker on your car or something that <laughs> yes. says that. Yes. <laughs> Because it's either, like, extra and, like, oh, yeah, this is the anniversary of you being diagnosed and your house is flooding. Um, what? But anyways, so from there I sought treatment in um, a different facility in Chicago because I was tired of doing chemotherapy. Um, I didn't want to continue doing another chemo, so I was going to try and do an immunotherapy uh, clinical trial. Um, which immunotherapies are what, you know, oncology here in the, I guess, Western culture, United States, oncology in general, are trying to lean more towards immunotherapies and chemotherapies because it's supposed to work with your immune system to fight cancer and not destroy it. So opted for that. Um, during that treatment, the immunotherapy, because it's a clinical trial, backfired and started destroying my thyroid and liver. It induced medical hepatitis. So I had to get on steroids, um, that high dosages of steroids for forever, which kind of blew up my face and, you know, gained weight, which wasn't the worst thing, but... It wasn't pleasant either. It, no. And you documented this all on your social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, granted, it was less than less, but my face was 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 wider because it. I think it's it's hard, like with everything that you're going through, disappointing news of um, cancer treatments, living with the cancer, what it does to you mentally and emotionally, um, missing looking like you, right, is one thing. So that was, I had. My face was super swollen from the steroids. Um, and then once they told me about not being able to continue on with the immunotherapy, um, that doctor visit, I randomly had a migraine. Um, I don't have headaches ever, but that airport trip, I had migraines to the point where Two steps into the airport, again, because I was going to Chicago, two steps into the airport, I had to, like, go to the bathroom, and it was nonstop vomiting because of the migraine. Flying was horrible. The next day, nothing. Like, nothing. No headache, nah, nada. And so uh, I 
last minute remembered to inform my oncology, uh, my oncologist, to say like, oh, yesterday I was having like horrible migraines, um, and that was new, so I just thought maybe I should share that. And they scheduled me an MRI immediately for the following day. And then that day, I mean, I got the MRI, a full brain MRI. By the time I was changed and walked back to the waiting room to go get my sister, there were, I got a phone call saying, Dr. So-and-so needs to see you back upstairs immediately. Um, we canceled whatever appointment, so if you can please head up here. I was like, damn it. <laughs> that's not... That's not good. That's not good. Um, long story... You're like, these people didn't even let me go home and take a break. <laughs> like, know? they want me now like, ASAP. Dang, okay, got you. So I go back upstairs, and they said that the brain MRI... Granted, that facility, kudos, right, that they got those responses that fast. Um, your, brain M- your brain MRI is showing 30 to 40 brain tumor metastasis. Um, are you effing kidding me? Like, you know, again, like, what? Like, did you, did you just say 30 to 40? Because and, and when the doctors are telling you this, like... Because that amazes me, too. <laughs> you go into survival mode. Kudos, kudos to the doctors, because, I mean, they have to do that kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, you know, every day, all day long. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, do they look at you and just kind of with, like, no expression whatsoever? Or is it kind of like no. a sad face or like a... Yeah, I've been, like, I've been treated very well by the oncology teams that I've worked here with. I've genuinely felt cared for, like genuinely cared for by each person that I've done treatment with and yeah um that must be really hard yes I can't imagine being in that situation you know that's your profession yeah and but having to tell people that you know (gasps) yeah that's like your regular big shout out to all the nurses I know (laughs) everybody yes thank you for taking care of us Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly so no they um that oncologist was like I'm so sorry um but we set you up we can schedule you schedule you with the radiation oncologist um, because they're the ones who do brain radiation which radiation to the brain when you've got cancer is about the only thing you can do because you have this brain blood barrier at the base of your skull that prevents chemotherapy from entering the brain so radiation is what exists for um, brain tumors. So she's talking, and I, I stopped. I was like, I'm sorry. You said like three zero, like four zero tumors in my head because I'm over here living my best life. Like not, I did have some vision issues, but I thoroughly read my side effects of all the chemo drugs that I'm on or immunotherapy drugs I'm on, and it said may cause vision issues Mm -hmm. so I'm writing it off as side effects side effects from the drugs I'm on um but other than that no real headaches other than my migraines that I had on the trip up there which I'm so grateful for because had I not had that who knows where I'd be if I didn't 
right? Say something. And in that moment, are you thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is it, you know, I'm, I'm done? Or are you thinking, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like, what, what are you, what's you, your mindset in that, in that moment? In those moments, it's like, okay, well, what are we doing next? Okay. What are we doing next? And um, for me, the way I've noticed I process things is I'm in survival mode. Tell me what I got to do next, right? Um, my sister was with me. We definitely had a moment we were sitting on, I don't know why we were sitting on the ground, but we were sitting on the ground, uh, I think waiting to see somebody. And um, we hugged and cried because that wasn't news we wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very much just, okay, well, let's see what this radiation oncologist says, what my next step is. And you're just following the steps and you're just doing what you need to do, right? Like hearing opinions, excuse me, like what, what's next? What, okay, this is my situation. What am I doing? What's the solution to this problem? Let's, let's go. And it's not until like maybe a week or days later when everything starts settling, like plans are made and decisions are made. That's when I start like, grieving and crying like you know doing all the proper like because this is a lot like the things people go through right that are heavy for their hearts even if you are in survival mode right to get to where you need to get to next you eventually hit or for me like hit a space of I'm gonna I'm very emotional so like I I just cry all the time but um I think for me initially once you hear devastating news which I'm kind of a pro at (laughs) now um so with each and you take that into consideration I've I've heard unfavorable news so much that it builds that resiliency it builds a thicker skin so with each blow or blindside your your my skin's way thicker uh, today than it was two years ago. Um, I'm that much more resilient because I lived through everything that I've lived through, and I think that's what, right? Like, I yeah, I wish a whole big part of my heart of me wishes that I didn't have to live, haven't that I hadn't haven't had to live through all of this. I don't know if I'm saying that properly. That I, of course, wish that I've never had to live through any of this. But but you were chosen. Chosen, right? And, like, now the strength that I now have, I don't feel like it's been, like, me who's been super strong through it all as much as, like, you're working out, right? You train your muscles, and you get stronger, and you get stronger. And it's like that with traumatic events or... Um, hardships, right? Like, these are just the hardships of my cancer journey. I've lived through things prior that were super hard that built me up emotionally, you know, to be able to withdore and, and endure all this, all this junk. But, um, yeah, so from there, being told I had 40 brain uh, tumors, and a lot of them were super small, super small lesions, and there was only maybe, I think they said about three that measured over a centimeter, which are bigger um, for tumors. So I decide, because I'm getting treatment in Chicago at that point, decide to continue 
with treatment down here in back in San Antonio with my oncologist and then was introduced to the radiation oncologist uh, right away I gosh within a week I started doing full brain radiation which is a trip like it's you're literally laying on a table and they shoot beams of radiation so it's painless quote unquote um, but just radiation in your brain like I feel like to this day I still have side effects like my hair hasn't grown back and it's been about five six months I'm hoping it will eventually grow back but I lost my hair from the radiation it hasn't grown back uh, words it was hard to speak it was hard to walk it was hard to stay on balance like I wasn't expecting any of that I was expecting maybe some mental fog and fatigue but just the power your brain has over your entire body that was that was intense and that was every day uh, Monday through Friday uh, for three weeks that was in March and then April I began uh, my chemotherapy for the cancer that existed in my abdomen and um, pelvis, which had spread significantly by this time. Um, so we were at a lower level um, at the beginning of my recurrence, and it's gotten probably, at that point, it was the highest that I'd ever been even upon original diagnosis. But anyways, um, yeah, so going through all of that, I did chemotherapy again, which my last, wait, no, that was, I got through half the cycle and my doctor ordered a new scan and the most recent update, this was about a month ago, the scan result concluded that my body was having mixed responses. So some tumors were dying, other tumors were growing and he thought there was a new one um, that had developed. Um, scans for my brain showed that we had gone down to five or six brain tumors, which I never thought I would be happy and rejoice. Well, I mean, and, going from 40 <laughs> to five, girl. You know, I, I think I have a post saying, if life isn't a matter of perspective, you know, like I'm over here geeking out and excited that I only have five or six brain tumors, y'all. <laughs> but when you're told you have 40, that's significant. That's a huge jump. Yeah. So my brain tumors are steady at five or six. Um, five or six brain tumors, hopefully. And as of, I guess, a month or three weeks ago, that's where my doctor said that chemo isn't working. He said he would order a new chemo drug to which I asked, and I have never asked for my prognosis. I've never asked what are my chances of being alive because um, I have a survivor friend, Maria, who she's, I think, a six-time ovarian cancer survivor, what? if not eight. Like, she's, she's Wonder Woman. And she was told one time at her diagnosis, and she asked about her chances of making it. Her oncologist had told her, no, no, no you're not a number, you're a person, right? You're not a statistic, you're not a number, you're a person with your own story. And when she shared that to me, that's always stuck with me, right? Um, like I'm not, 
I'm not a number. So even if you were to give me a 1% chance to live, I could be that number one, right? Why can't I be number one? But just choosing throughout my journey to not Google prognosis, Google, I knew my chances, um, ovarian, my staging type of ovarian cancer, it's like a if, if it has gone up, maybe 30, 40% chance of people make it to live five years. Um, it's going to be three years, right? August 28th. Um, and it's, it's the dreaded day. <laughs> the dreaded day <laughs> will be three years. Um, so it, it's not a high survival rate. And I've known that, but I've never Googled the number. I've just kind of knew that from the days where I was trying to be preventative. Um, but I've never asked him, what are my chances of this working? What are my chances of this drug working? But this time I asked him, I said, honestly, um, I'm going through all the chemo drugs here. Is If my body's resistant to these drugs, what are the chances it's going to be, this new drug's going to work miraculously? It's going to make a difference. Yeah. And he said, well, I mean, Honestly, about 20 to 30 percent. It's not it's not very likely. And then he said, so if you're not wanting to do um, if you're not wanting to do chemo again, we can always talk about uh, quality of life for whatever time you have left. And then he hugs me and my oncologist has hugged me before. But this was like a, an, a second too long where I was like, I think. He said more in his hug than he did in his words that like, no, you, what do you mean? Like, right? Because again, it's, it takes you a while to process what it is that's happening because it's news you don't want to hear. Um, but when he hugged me, I think that's when it hit like, holy crap, like, this is not that this is it, but like holy crap, like, this is really bad news. Like, he's hugging me really long, and my chances of this next conventional drug not working are super low. So um, I think, I mean, this leg of the journey for sure has been March and April with the whole brain tumor stuff. That was a, those were dark months, super dark, um, because... I feel like that's when I had lost, I think I was like, I'm one of those girls who will ride their gas tank to the very last <laughs> drop of gas. And I felt like that's where I was. Like the needle was almost there. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't think I can, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I can't continue on. Like, this is too hard um, in March or April. And you know, through the grace of God, and I, I think I'm alive and somewhat well put together because of the prayers of those who, who are praying for me, honestly, because I haven't, I hadn't been talking to God as much as I should have been, because I'm hella pissed at, at this stuff now with the brain, um, and then so, Earlier this past month, when they tell me um, that really there's nothing, 
promising left with conventional medicine, I, for whatever reason, I think it was, it's the grace of God. I felt like, of course, right? Like we're three beings. We're spirit, soul, and physical, right? So my physical self and soul, like, are just like, Donezo, like I'm just tired, done, done. exhausted, like F it, like I'm, I'm living to be with Jesus, let's just go be with Jesus, <laughs> like I'm done, I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't want to do chemo anymore, but my spirit, she's a badass, I don't let her shine enough, she's just like, oh F no, like we're doing this, like my chances are that low, we're gonna do this, we're showing people, like we're, right, spirit woman comes out, and uh, my physical and soul. Because her hair tossing. Yes. That mm-hmm, ass. Girl. <laughs> and my physical mental person is just like, shut that. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> shut up. Let's just not sign up for any more of this. Let's just, right? That, uh, the conflict, right, of who your spirit is and who your physical person is. Um, but my spirit, I think she's just this, badass of a person because it when I heard that news of course I've been grieving and upset and frustrated but compared to who I was like in March or April when I was it was just dark and I was really not able to fight anymore for whatever reason hearing my chances are that low has sparked a like no it's not my time we're we're gonna keep doing this like, it's not my time. Like, I don't feel like it's my time. Um, and I say that. And I say that trying to learn the balance of accepting, right, the sovereignty of God. And if it does mean my life is coming to an end soon, um, I'll wrestle that out with him. But, like, I also believe that I can be a miracle, that I can be that person, that I, even though everything has just proven otherwise, I still just have this hope that I could still be that person, you know? And um, it has led, actually, to me being able to pursue non-toxic treatments and alternative therapies basically to fight cancer, which was what I wanted to do originally. Um, They have alternative cancer clinics in Mexico and all over the world. There's some even here in the United States, but it's cheaper just to go to Tijuana, honestly. So um, I was just like, fine. If conventional medicine is bound to fail me, Right, and the reason I didn't do alternative medicine before, were because there were so many voices telling me, "Oh, but it's not as reliable. Conventional treatment. There's more research. Conventional treatment is what exists for a reason. It's here in yeah. the United States. It's yeah. here. Um, but this time, I'm just like, f it. Like if it's uh, conventional treatment's gonna kill me. Everybody's worried. Alternative treatment isn't gonna heal me. Is that what your spirit's saying? What that the, the effort? Yes, she's a savage. She is. <laughs> she is. I need to release her a little bit more. I need to release her a whole lot more. Um, 
because yeah, it's just people were worried that I was going to die doing alternative treatments. And if anything, chemo and conventional treatments, I can't, I believe I'm alive because of conventional medicine. So I won't ever completely bash it. Um, but I but was, it's done what it was yeah, going to do for you. For me. It's and, and now it's yeah. time to move on. Yes. And so I found a facility in Tijuana that does, um, they offer some conventional treatments. So there's an oncologist on site, but they, in the words of the doctor that I spoke to, he was like, we believe that conventional medicine is, is, exists for good, but we also believe there's a lot of holes with how conventional medicine is treating cancer patients. So we're here to fill in those holes um, of like energy healings and light healing and ozone healing and just other different parts that like when you're going through this, because conventional just completely destroys your immune system, but these clinics in Tijuana are trying to use conventional medicine as well as alternative therapies and empower like they're truly building up your immune system in natural ways right because the immunotherapies that um, they're doing there are very much more natural as opposed to the immunotherapies that I was doing the clinical trials in Chicago um, it's a more natural approach to build up your immune system um, or a more natural type of immunotherapy so I started looking into those and got to talk to a couple of people, success stories for alternative medicine. And um, I mean, I'm in the process of trying to get my passport renewed urgently, which I have an appointment on Friday. And then I need to raise, um, so raise money. I need... So because it isn't covered by insurance or it's, you know, out of the country, um, they need the, you pay cash for all the services. Out of pocket. Out of pocket, right. So I believe their um, financial cost is about $23,000 that they say I could pay, you know, the weeks I'm there, I'd need $10,000 initially, and then about six, 7000 thereafter. But I would have to pay before I leave, um, <laughs> before I leave there. So um, that's been the challenge of, that's m- another reason why I never pursued it before, because it's just easier to use the insurance that you have and go along with whatever they're offering you here. But I decided we're going to, I guess I'm, I'm doing alternative treatments. And so I've had a friend put together a fundraiser for me, like my mom's employer, I feel, I think, wanted to put together a fundraiser uh, to try and raise those funds and, you know, sooner rather than later because I've been hanging out for about a month without any sort of treatment and cancer in my body. I've been doing a lot of juicing and things that, I believe are helping, you know, but still would love to be in a facility being treated for the cancer that exists in my pelvic and abdomen and then hoping that everything is still stable with the five or six brain tumors. So what can we do to help? 
Um, I mean, contribute financially, honestly, and prayers. I know it sounds so freaking cliche, and I hate asking for money because, I mean, I told you earlier, I'm surrounded by a wonderful community. Um, I am loved and taken care of, and people have just, throughout all of this, without me really knowing, put together fundraisers, and I'm, I, I don't know, I'm 40 years old, I feel like I should have my own money, and, but that's just nonsense. <laughs> people with money going through treating cancer for the past three years, money's, it's, it's like all on medical bills, you know, so anyways, fi tri contributing financially, um, I wasn't even thinking, right, when we planned this podcast, I hadn't even started my fundraiser um, because it's all been so fast. Like, they set me up with a passport for an appointment on Friday. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm, go I'm going to this institute because it's the most affordable place that I trust with the, with the treatments that they have to offer. Um, and so I'm looking to raise about 30000 to 35000 um, to include, right, all the follow-up stuff that I'm going to be doing with them. It's a huge lifestyle change with um, needing supplements and um, doing vitamin C therapy, which you can get hooked up with. Have you ever seen that? You can go get um, IV'd like high doses of vitamin C and okay. certain vitamins. Um, so there are things that I'm going to have to incorporate like a um, in my life that I'll know about $35,000 will get me an airplane tickets, will get me to where um, I can leave for Tijuana hopefully in two weeks. I need to raise that money in two weeks so I could just leave and kind of be at peace of, you know, that part. But I have to get you there fast. Yeah. Yeah, and so everything's overwhelming. I went to the bank today to go request because I need a check. <laughs> and I don't have a checkbook, so I need to write a check to the passport people. And so I go to my my bank today, and I'm like, yes, um, I need a checkbook. <laughs> they were like, okay, well, that's going to be, you'll get four packs, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Nobody writes <laughs> checks anymore. I don't need four. I don't need 80 checks. I just need, like, don't you just have, like, one little stack Can you just checks? print me one out? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. And um, they were like, no, ma'am, you have to buy, like, this whole pack, and that won't be in until Friday. And I just started crying at my bank today because it's a pile on, like, right? Everything is so overwhelming, like wanting something to go my way, um, right? That battle of just, I just need something to go my way. Yeah. And now I can't even get a freaking checkbook. <laughs> like, I just you're, just, you're at the point where you're like, can I just win the little battles? You yes. Know? I mean, something small. Just that. <laughs> <laughs> and then my and then my dentist called and said, um, "Hey, Miss Reyna, we have an opening tomorrow at nine a.m. And you just yesterday, I or just this morning, I was thinking I need to I need to go to the dentist before I leave. And so they called me today and said because I wasn't scheduled to September. And they called and said, "Well, we have an opening tomorrow. We wanted to see if we can squeeze you in." And I was like, "Yes, that was." <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> it's like the little thing. Yeah. Um, and that's learning how to see the joy and beauty in the little things 
is what's truly going to get you through like the hard things. Um, and at first I was really bitter about that because it's like, well, I just, but I want the big things to go well for me, not just the little things. But if you wait on that, it's, it's just, it's toxic, you know, to your mind, to your spirit. And it's right. I believe all that stress and bitterness like feeds the cancer. I know it feeds the cancer in your body, you know, when you don't release those negative or ugly emotions. Um, I have a friend who bought me a Nerf bat so I can beat up my bed and when I'm angry. So I put on some 90s alternative and just bang, bang up my bed to get anger out sometimes. Um, because, yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff about this journey that makes you angry, that makes you sad, that makes you question and doubt, and a lot of it's unfair. But if you stay in that, right, like there's – it takes away from – the time that you have with your family, like, right? Because you want to spend that time with them. You want to spend, um, I've never thought myself to be a person like, oh, I have cancer. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. I think you just automatically just start doing it. Um, you either fall on the coin where you're just depressed and you stay in bed or you, you do realize like, okay, well, if I have two years left. I'm going to get me in a hot air balloon because I've always wanted to do that or jump from an airplane, right? Like, I'm going to do this stuff. And, um, yeah, and a lot of it, I, just going back to, like, focusing, choosing to see the small things. And there are days where you can't, and that's okay. You give yourself grace because what you're living through is hard for most humans. And I'm living five, ten times things that are harder, right, than what most people endure um, in a whole lifetime. And so it's being able to give yourself grace to let yourself have a day where you're just kind of funky, right? Um, allowing yourself, not putting those expectations to um, be positive or have the expectations to stay strong. And there's a list of cliches that people will tell me that I just roll my eyes at because it's okay. Like, just keep fighting, <laughs> stay strong. And I think of the scripture where it says, when I'm weak, that's when God's strongest. And I think when we allow ourselves to be weak, I think people see strength in me, right? Our hope, our inspiration. Because I allow myself to be weak, I allow myself to take this to God and, and say, what the F, I can't do this. Like, I can't. There's no, if you are letting me live through this, then this is on you, homie, because I can't, I can't, I can't do it. It's hard. Um, so admitting your weakness and asking for that refuel or, you know, for God to fuel that, um, I feel like that's to me is, has been everything. I think it's funny that people are like, you're so strong, you're so inspirational. <laughs> and I just broke down at a bank because, I couldn't get checks, right? Like, I think people, and I try, I try to be as vulnerable and transparent in my posts on social media because I don't want people to think that, like, I handle this with a smile all the time. Like, I I want to be transparent and say, like, no, this, this shit is hard. Like, and some days you're well put together, other days... Um, you're not, and you just you give yourself grace, and you keep going.
and maybe tomorrow is different and better, right? Well, own whatever compliments come your way, own them because, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm speechless. I I don't even know, I don't even know what to say anymore because I feel ashamed <laughs> of myself for complaining of any anything that I've, that I have ever complained about in my life. I feel ashamed now, seriously. So, and I tell people that all the time because to me, I remember. So I work um, at Grace Point Church. What what shout out. Grace Point Church, although I don't do much work anymore, um, but at that church, we, I learned, um, we used to have this class called Identity, what was it? Something Identity. Something Identity. Where was I even going with this? Um, Dang it. Here's the thing with brain tumors. I've been doing good this whole time because I, I forget a lot of things quickly, but... I don't know. Maybe it wasn't important. Did you say own the compliment? Yes, please do. Because, I mean, ever since I started following you, like you said, that transparency that you have on your social media, uh, not holding back on what's going on and stuff like that, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't and don't do that. You know, a lot of people don't like to share that stuff. But I think it's really important, um, especially for people like myself who aren't dealing with that, haven't dealt with that, don't really know anybody that's dealt with that, to scroll through your social media and read a post like the ones that I've uh, read on your social media or do the lives that I've seen you do. And it's it's really impacting. Mm-hmm. It seriously is because you. You, you're just like, it, it, it amazes me. And I told you from the beginning, I'm amazed at how strong you are, how, how strong you are and, and that positivity that people like me, Sometimes we complain about the the most minor things That's and we don't say. stay positive in, in those situations. And you're like, dude, seriously, like I have no right. I have no right. <laughs> but I, and that's what I was telling. Um, that's where I was going with working at a church because there was this class where I learned um, pain is pain. And I know, like I tell, I try and tell people because I, I can, I see when people are trying to not complain around me. And I don't ever want that to be the case um, because then, right, before all of this, I was the person that I loved hearing about people's problems and let's talk through them and um, being that person. But now, because of my situation, people don't like complaining around me. But I learned, right, like pain is pain. And let's just, yeah, let's call it elephant in the room. My problem is bigger than yours. Yes. But like, Pain is still real to the human heart, you know, and I don't think it's a matter of condemning yourself for condemning or, right, when you compare yourself, then you condemn yourself, and all I I 100% believe, like, God's there, like, but I care about this pain in your heart, right? Why are you complaining? Like, let's talk about this, and, like, because it matters, even if my case is a bit extra and extreme. Extra. <laughs> like so extra. Um, it's, I, I, I still want my friends and family to feel like they can talk to me about their issues, you know? I mean, also, though, if I'm listening to people complain in the grocery line, and I don't know you, and you're complaining about God knows what, then I'm totally judging you. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be like, so many times I wanted to be like, oh, um, 
are you fighting a terminal cancer too? You know, <laughs> but I don't. You don't. Sometimes I will. Um, Your spirit does that for you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes. So I thank you for your words because it's, for me, still just weird to hear because I know, um, I know the humanity part of me and it's weak and cries in a closet every so often and questions and doubts. And um, I think the biggest thing of my faith that I've learned so far is faith isn't going to always look like uh, standing on scriptures and believing this without wavering. It's living through everything I'm living through, having the doubts, but still, right, for me, putting my uh, knees before the Lord and surrender because he's, he's God and I'm not. And as much as I want all of this to go away, if I'm using it, hopefully this helps with somebody <laughs> out there listening. And right, like it's hopefully being used, right? Thank you so much for You're very welcome for, <laughs> for being here, for talking about this. Thank you for existing. Uh, Thank you for, for opening your heart and sharing this information with us. Um, your story, yeah. uh, you're you're you said it yourself you're a warrior you're at war and trust me there's a bunch of soldiers behind you i mean yes. complete strangers now even more yeah you know, i I, you. I didn't know you and mm -hmm. i after following you and 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 reading up on on your posts and stuff like that what was going on um i, I mean and i and i'm not lying to you i do pray for you you Thank know, and you. every time that I see your post on, on Instagram uh, or your story or anything like that, I say a little I say a little prayer for you. Thank you. And I'm sure that the people that are watching that are listening um, are now going to join the army. So you're not at you're not Amen. by yourself in this Yay. war. We're, we're all uh, we're all praying for you and Thank we're all you. in your corner. Uh, I will post uh, in the, the caption um, when we upload this this uh content to instagram and facebook the uh, venmos or the cash the cash apps right yeah where yeah, we're, um, if you guys want to donate um but yeah we're praying for you we're in your corner and you are definitely the embodiment of a savage boss babe. like seriously for <laughs> oh, i'll real. take it i'll take it for real and i'm gonna remember this when i'm having my hard days Mwah.